This is the River Radius, a cultural nexus of rivers, people, and boats. I am your host, Sam Carter. Welcome. Yesterday, one of my favorite moments was we met these two little girls, and um, when we stopped for a bathroom break, and they were like, oh, like, what is kayaking? Or like, what are you guys doing? And we showed them our, our kayak paddles and our boats and everything. They were probably only like, I don't know, like six or seven. Um, and we gave them like a couple of roses, too, and they were so excited to go take them to their parents. And um, yeah, and it was just cool to like share that and expose those two little gals um, to paddling and that's also like kind of part of our mission is to, to get other girls outside. So that was like a special moment for me yesterday. This episode is part of the River Radius Source to Sea project and comes to you from the Sacramento River in California. We interview Ari, Jamie, and Alyssa who are paddling the Sacramento River from its headwaters near Mount Shasta all the way to the Golden Gate Bridge near San Francisco. On March 9th, we published the first episode of this project, and this current interview is our first on-river interview with this crew while they paddled down the river. They tell us about the people they are meeting and the character of the Sacramento River as it flows through the north end of the Central Valley of California. This source-to-sea trip on the Sacramento River is just over 400 miles in length and will take this crew about three weeks. A source-to-sea trip is paddling a river from its headwaters, its source, all the way to the saltwater, the sea. Source to sea. They stopped on the river when they had two bars of cell service and huddled behind some gear to get out of the wind and gave me a call. Here is Sacramento Source to Sea. Welcome back to the show. Where where are you in the great world? We are probably like eight, seven or eight miles north of Chico. And are you at your camp for the day? Like you're going to camp where you're at or are you going to keep going? We're going to keep going. Will you camp in the city of Chico or, pa- or get past it? We're camping tonight at a farm, actually, called CSA Grub Farm. Do you do you happen to know your elevation? Ooh, uh, let's see. I think we're at about 135 <laughs> feet above sea level. Yeah, it's pretty flat from here to Santa Fe. And then, what, do you know where you started, what elevation you started at? Just under 7,000. Wow, so over 153 miles, you have dropped over 6,000 feet in elevation. Yeah, most of the drop happened, I would say, in the first, uh, like, probably 40 miles. Yeah, we haven't had a whole lot of drops since then. So that first 40 to 50 miles, was that just a, a lot of white water? Well, so how, let's start with the group. Like, how, how's the group doing physically? How are you all doing? Are you tired? Do you need a nap? Or or uh, are you just raging, ready to keep going? I think in terms of, like, energy levels, like, the first probably four or five days, we really kind of beat ourselves up and weren't taking in enough calories or water or anything. And I think by now we've kind of figured out our intake a little bit better. It's starting to get a lot sunnier um otters so we have to be more conscious of like yeah what we're what we're drinking and like protecting our skin from the sun and everything and then mentally how, how are y'all doing 
mentally, I feel free. I'm stoked. Yeah, yesterday there was a moment when we were sitting on the river and uh, we were just like listening to uh, an album and just kind of floating in the sun and and we were just like remarking how beautiful and happy and excited we are to be out here and just like how special this is to just be on the river, floating downstream, feeling good. And how many how many days? What day is this for your trip? This is day eight. And let's let's talk about the river. Give us a give us a description about that the character of that river. I think in my experience, when I see when I get on different rivers, I feel like they almost always have their own special color of green or brown or blue or even their special quality of clear. There's a different kind of rock. There's a different speed. There's a different way the currents interact there's a different depth to the riffles so i'm curious what you're seeing how you would describe the character of the sacramento river i would say the character of the river has changed a lot since the start Uh, it changed pretty rapidly within a couple days the character of it in the early stages in the first probably like 40 or 50 miles is like really dark green um forest really crystal clear water um just like despite it being kind of like the tail end of winter things being relatively vibrant um even with stuff not totally blossoming out yet um now we're in the valley and though we're like surrounded by orchards we're still kind of experiencing like relatively natural looking riparian zones you know it's not quite as natural as like what this river historically probably looks like but um the colors are vibrant things are it's like definitely spring-like down here um so things are getting greener we've seen a lot of incredible bird life on the river so far too our first day floating down from the sundial bridge after staying in reading we saw hundreds and hundreds of swallows and swifts, um, and there have been kingfishers, we've seen a few bald eagles, lots of cormorants, turkey vultures, killdeer, what else have we seen? A few hawks. But it's also interesting because um, someone that we interviewed who has lived on the river for like 50 plus years um, and grew up like snorkeling on the river kind of noticed how like underwater, um, you know, he used to see so much life, and now he kind of compared the bottom of the river to being like a desert. Like there's not much life going on on the bottom of the river, um, which I thought was very fascinating to learn about. And you asked about the color of the water, and it's actually been fairly turbid and um, like a little bit murkier, greenish brown because we did get two solid days of rain a few days ago. So since then, I think a lot of the side creeks have been draining in, and um, it just hasn't been as clear, but we learned that that's actually really good because they just released about 50,000 hatchery fish, uh, steelhead, that are using this turbid water to help them downstream, and they really like this quality of water right now. You all mentioned, you, you started to describe some of the valley and the orchards, and the, and the type of riparian zone that you're working through, moving through. Tell us more about the landscape you've seen. You, you started on snow. You started in the mountains. 
And it sounds like you've made that transition that you knew what happened, but it sounds like you've made the transition out of the mountains into the ag country. I guess, what was that transition like? Was it long, short, you know, what did it look like as you, as you really moved out of the mountains into the flats? And then just tell us a little bit more about what it looks like where you are. I would say the transition out of the mountains came like relatively abruptly um, when we hit Shasta Lake. Um, basically, Shasta Lake is the biggest reservoir in the state of California. It supplies water to most of the state. Um, and so the current died, and we basically paddled, I think, like 16 or 17 miles of flat water. Um, and, you know, it's a reservoir, so. There's, like, a very obvious high water mark, um, and we were still in, like, an evergreen-type forest, you know, there was still firs and pines, but we started to transition into oaks, so once we got below the dams, it was very clear we were getting into the lower lands, like, Redding, California, I think is, like, 1,500 feet, so not total valley floor yet. But we started, once we got below the dams, we were seeing live oaks and cypress and cottonwoods. So I would say the greatest, for me, the greatest indicator was the trees changing. Um, And, like, from the river, at this point, we can't see much. You know, we're in the valley floor, so there's not really much, any high points around us. And so we're pretty much, like, seeing what we can see from the river, which is, like, a lot of willow and live oak and cottonwood, cypress, and some alder. It's been interesting, though. We have had quite a few orchards, and I think those are spots where you can really tell that there's been a lot of bank erosion uh, because adult-sized trees are now either fully in the water or hanging on to the riverbank by maybe a few roots. Um, There are, like, exposed irrigation pipes that you can see. So, yeah, I think that's, like, it's been an interesting noticing in the environment is just witnessing some of the erosion on the bank. And there's been a lot more riprapping, too, which is basically where... um, landowners just kind of um, use either, like, rock or gravel or cement to basically, in a way, like, almost channelize the river to protect their land, which, in theory, works for, like, a while, but a big flood year um, often can kind of take that out. And then, in addition to that, the current is just, like, constantly cutting away at the land underneath the riprap, so oftentimes, like, that ends up resulting in like an undercut bank, which eventually is going to break away. What do you know about indigenous lands that, and I, and I don't mean reservations, but what do you know about the, the tribes and cultures that used to occupy the lands where you are right now? Do you, do you, are you aware of what uh, tribe or culture that was several hundred years ago? Even, even I guess really just a couple hundred years ago, not several. I think when we were further north, like more in the Mount Shasta Redding area, we were more familiar uh, with the tribes there, like the Winnemen, the women went to the Okwenuchu. Right now we're on Konkal Maidu and Mechuta Maidu. I'm sorry if my pronunciation was incorrect. Which I don't think we personally know as much about, but tomorrow... 
we're meeting with um, a local historian. Um, yeah, we're, tomorrow morning we're meeting with this woman who is really well connected with the tribe down here and um, has, is part of this, this uh, almost like seminar series, workshop series, kind of educational resource called Traditional Ecological Knowledge. And it's based out of the Chico area um, where different folks from the tribes and the surrounding area come and teach something, some like traditional knowledge based around the land to basically keep their traditions going and keep that knowledge alive and not let it die. Um, so we're really excited to meet with her because she sounds like she's a wealth of knowledge regarding water but then also the tribes and their history here so we're pretty stoked to meet with her what are you noticing about impacts to the river in relation to how humans are engaging with it how uh, the climate has been impacted and how that impact is changing the river are you are you seeing any of these types of changes and impacts to the river the most obvious human impacts are everything below a shafted dam. Like, that's a huge human-built engineering feat that has completely obstructed the natural flow of the river. So everything below that has a feeling of being modified, especially here in ag land. Again, we're, we're seeing, um, you know, the effect on the riverbanks. And then um, there's we've seen a few side canals. Uh, we passed through the Red Bluff Diversion Dam the other day, uh, which used to be a full-blown dam that was fairly recently removed, but there's, you know, there's still, like, a diversion and a pumping plant there, pump, pumping station, and, um, like, fish screws that have been put in to help transport the fish um, safely while they're still using that area, um, to draw water and send it into different irrigation districts. So uh, the human impact is very felt. And when we were talking with a local fisherman the other day, he was saying, you know, you can think what you like about climate change and climate does alter over hundreds of years, but just in his lifetime, witnessing less, less rainfall coming in the winter seasons, which then means like less turbid waters for the steelhead. Right now, a pretty consistent noticing of folks that we've interacted with is just that the river is really low, and we witnessed that also on Shasta Reservoir. You know, the high water mark was sometimes anywhere from 20 to 40 feet above us. And I think, too, I mean, Shasta Dam obviously has, like, completely changed the landscape of California. But one, like, really big thing that it's done like folks wanting to live close to the river and like having you know like levees and then like building canals basically like preventing the river from flooding so like shaft dam and keswick dam prevent the river from like really getting to flood stage on a regular basis like historically it probably would have done and so the floodplain of the central valley and california um has been like drastically narrowed down and like a floodplain is designed to refill the groundwater 
And so our groundwater in California has dropped, like, I think at least by half because the landscape isn't allowed to flood anymore. And so it, like, it's kind of like we've done this to ourselves. We're like, oh, well, the river is so low. And, like, in the summer, the river gets really low because it doesn't rain much. But, like, the whole purpose of, like, a natural river landscape is that it floods in the winter and the spring, and that in turn refills our groundwater, and then that groundwater allows the river to stay at its natural level throughout the entire year. So, like, historically, before dams were put on rivers, the rivers wouldn't get as low as they do now because there was just this constant resupply from the groundwater that kept the river at a stable level. So, like, before dams, we didn't need to worry about fish flows. So, like, on Shasta Dam, their main concern, in addition to, like, making sure all the water holders get their water, is that there's enough water in the river to let the fish come up. And basically their only concern right now is the Chinook winter run because they're an endangered species. So, you know, we're, like, engineering our lifestyle now around the fact that there are dams on the river. Um, But before there were dams, the river took care of itself, and it made sure that there was enough water in the channel for fish to come up and down for summer, spring, fall, winter runs of all these fish, these anadromous fish. So I think, like, climate change is super connected to the way humans have changed the landscape. Like, these changes are so much more obvious because of all the things that humans have done to the river. We got a few questions coming in from Instagram. First question is, I'd like to know if they had to contact owners of private property along the river where they plan to camp. So, sounds like tonight you're camping on private property. Uh, Tell us about that, please. Whenever we've been camping on private property, um, the people have, uh, either we've contacted them um, in our search for different stakeholders, or they've seen us um, through our website, or... um, we have, like, a newspaper article or your podcast um, go out. And so there's been, like, it seems like as we've been going down river, people have kind of uh, heard about us. The other morning when we launched off, uh, <laughs> some people came out outside of their house onto the riverbank and were, like, cheering us on, gave us a little salute off in the morning. Uh, and so, yeah, and so those people have contacted us um, and invited us to come and um, stay on their property. Otherwise, like... Um, We've been able to kind of, like, scope out ahead of time, like, where our goal for the day is and um, kind of where somewhere public would be that we could camp. And if it ends up not working out, we could just float down the river a little bit further until we find something. Okay. And then the next question is, how are they getting supplies, like food, along the trip? What do you got for that one? So we set up um, some resupply boxes before we left, um, and we've been carrying, the first little stretch we carried like three days worth of food, and then our first resupply was in Reading, and that resupply box had seven days of food in it, um, and so we've basically just been having friends and family bring us those resupply boxes, so we've gotten one so far, and then we have one again coming in I think like four days. And that's coming to Calusa. So, um, yeah, we're not carrying all of our food for the whole trip. We've also had, like, 
the opportunity to eat with folks and they've bought us dinner and breakfast and um so uh yeah we probably won't run through all of our food for each of these stretches as much as we thought but yeah we're not like fully carrying everything taking a village to make this trip happen so what's next you you i think you said you've been down you've you've um boated about 150 miles so i'm guessing you have about 250 left what's what's coming in the next week before we talk to you again yeah these next few days are maybe not as big a mileage days but that's in part intentional because we have some interviews coming up so like Melissa said we're staying at um like a csa farm tonight and then tomorrow we're staying at another farm and we'll continue floating through more rural farmland until we reach Sacramento, California State Capitol, where we're, we're floating through downtown Sac on that stretch, which is going to be really interesting and wild. And that's about where we're going to switch into sea kayaks as well. Um, so after Sac, we'll be in a new craft, and uh, then we'll hit the Delta, which is a pretty complex network of um, private property, a lot of ag land, much of it separated by this network of levees. So it'll probably be complex to navigate. And we're really excited to meet with um, a pretty diverse group of stakeholders down there, everything from local landowners and farmers to water contractors, engineers, conservation biologists. so that's kind of what's up ahead in the next week or so. Are you excited for for the? Are you still excited for the trip? It's been amazing so far. Yeah, like Jamie said, I think we're all just like in awe and humbled by the amount of support, and also just um, every day is a good day. I think we're learning so much on this trip too. Like, um, you know, we we had the opportunity to to chat with. Uh, Robert Dunn and Maddie of Maddie's Guide Service, and they both have been on this river collectively for decades and have so much local knowledge, and some of that knowledge has been passed down to them um, through previous generations, and so it feels like we're, we're part of a continuum now of knowledge keepers when it comes to information about the stack, and that feels really special to be a part of that and included in that. It's just really cool and, like, I think kind of blowing our minds a little bit, like, how um, much of an impact in Northern California we're having. Like, it's cool because it's just, like, we're getting people thinking about the river and, like, you know, excited about what we're doing and hopefully what we're doing, like, exciting them will get them excited about learning more about the river and the issues that it's having and like want to take action in their own way. Well, let's, let's call it that for this time and we'll talk to you in about a week. That sounds great, Sam. Okay. (laughs) Thanks so much. Have a great, have a great rest of your, your, your day on the water. Thank you. Good chatting with you. You bet. Take care. Okay. See ya. A Central Valley-sized thanks goes out to Jamie, Alyssa, and Ari of Sacramento Source to Sea for bringing the River Radius along on their Source to Sea journey. I will host a second on-river interview with them this week. If you have questions for them, 
please submit them via email or Instagram. You can learn more about the topics covered in this episode in the show notes. You can find The River Radius on Instagram and Facebook, where additional river content is published weekly. You can also find more information on our website. Those links are also in the show notes. You can contact us anytime. Hello at theriverradius.com. In 2021, we are having excellent growth in our listenership. Welcome to all of you who are new to the podcast this year. We appreciate all of you, your shares, and your reviews. My name is Sam Carter. Thanks so much for joining The River Radius. <laughs> Tell us I was how, trying how. not to sound as serious. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really good, Aria. Oh yeah, we're like super busy right now. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot going on. We have no yeah. time to sit. <laughs>